Welcome to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast, episode 74. Welcome to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast with your host, Jack Mountain Bushcraft School founder and master main guide, Tim Smith. I'm your host, Tim Smith. I'm a registered master main guide, and in 1999, I founded the Jack Mountain Bushcraft School. We help people become more skilled, more knowledgeable, more experienced, and more confident outdoors by using traditional skills, a few simple tools, and field-based experience. Whether you're looking to go from city slicker to competent outdoor professional, want to experience a remote expedition, or just want to learn a few new outdoor skills, we've got you covered. You can check out the show notes to this and all of our podcasts at blog.jackmtn.com. When you're there, click on the podcast button. And if you enjoy the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. Lastly, the best way to keep up with our programs and trips is to join our email newsletter. And you can do that at jmbnews.com. Hello and welcome back to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast. We're recording this on Thursday, August 15th. Christopher and I here in the Guide Shack. How are we doing this morning? Pretty good. How about yourself? Doing pretty good. It is Thursday of week one of our fall wilderness bushcraft semester program. So we have not been cranking out podcasts as regularly as in the past, mostly because we were on separate directions most <clears throat> most of the summer. Um, and I find podcasts much more challenging to do solo. It's much easier to sit down and have a conversation. Um, yeah, I would completely agree, but it's good to be reunited with you, Tim. And it feels so good. It feels so good. They should write a song about that. <laughs> they should. They should. Um, yeah, so we've done a few solo podcasts, but they just it's more like giving a speech. You know, you have to be more prepared with your remarks. It's less of a sort of feeding off the other person and an interplay between two people. So that's why we haven't uh, really embraced the solo podcast thing. Um, We're going to be doing more video this fall, and video is a medium where we could definitely do more solo stuff, and then obviously blogging uh, is something that uh, is much easier to do solo, because two hands work well on a keyboard, four hands not so much. We should try that. Yeah. Do they have those, like multiple person keyboards? They have to. Or do they just interface the, like, each person has their own keyboard? That sounds like a really weird form of arguing. Yeah. Like two keyboards, both people typing, and it just gets... So I'm running this experiment in my basement where I've got 100 (laughs) monkeys and 100 keyboards, and they're supposed to start cranking out, like, Shakespearean quality stuff, but so far it's just gibberish. But maybe if I had one giant keyboard that all the monkeys could work on. What if it was a giant keyboard, but it was set up like a trampoline? Like each key was a different, like, button they could step on? That's pretty... Genius right there. Mm, that's that's the, why you keep me around. The future I am full of ideas. <laughs> None of them good. So we're into the sweet spot of weather. August 15th to October 15th in northern Maine. That's it. That's yeah. weather-wise, like, everything's getting ripe or is ripe. You know, the bugs are not even hardly around. The weather's warm. We can swim. The nights have been cool. We had a night uh, the other night, 43 degrees 43 here at the degrees. field school. 43 degrees. It was awesome. Um, which, you know, not necessarily common for this time of year. But it lets you know 
that winter's right around the corner. You know, cold weather here. In August. Yeah. <laughs> cold weather is always right around the corner. It, it, you get that. Uh, you get maybe a week of really hot weather in July, and then winter is right over the horizon saying, you better get ready, boys. Yep. Get that firewood prepped. Uh, so anyway, we are into the fall semester. Uh, it's been a busy first few days. It always is. Um, but I think people are now starting to get the hang of camp life, um, you know, get the hang of our food systems, the hang of our sanitation systems and all those things. And once people get that, life here is super sweet and super easy and super fun. Yeah, and then we can start getting into the meat of stuff, the fun stuff, rather than just the housekeeping things. Yeah, for sure. So our topic we want to talk about today, when we get into it, is how a school should operate and why most outdoor schools fail at operating like that. And ultimately, the point of the discussion is about the difference between information and education. Um, information being, you know, people are telling you things, people are lecturing at you, whereas education, the student and the instructor are both invested in what the outcome is. Yeah, and I would say that the the second part of that and why most outdoor schools fail is sort of two pronged. It's not just that they fail as financially as a business. They also fail. at. I, I don't, I didn't mean that, but right. Um, but it, I think that the two things are connected in that if you're not, if you're failing to educate effectively, there's a good chance that the school is not going to stick around because why would, you know, why would students want to come to a place where they're not going to learn well? Well, I mean, okay, I'll take your point, but I mean, uh, like Domino's Pizza has been in business for like 50 years and their pizza is terrible. See, so you guys in podcast land can't see this, but whenever Tim starts a sentence like that, he's pretty straight faced. So I'm not really sure. I, I can't really batten down the hatches in preparation for any of these. All right. All right. <laughs> <coughs> so, okay, let's talk about a school, right? What... Here's, in my estimation, here's how a school should operate. So if we're going to run a course, so we are now School X and we are going to run Course 101. So before we start Course 101, we have to determine what, what is our goal? What do we hope people get out of this course? So what I, I refer to these as ILOs or Intended Learning Outcomes. So what are the Intended Learning Outcomes? Where do I want the student to be? at the end of the course, what do I want them capable of accomplishing and how are we going to know that they're there? So in order for us to get there, so we have to, number one, in order to accomplish our ILOs, we have to, number one, deliver some information. Number two, we have to have students do something with that information so that they can then internalize the information. And then number three, we have to assess how they have how well they have internalized that information so through assessment we help the student gauge how far they are on the path to accomplishing the goal and when they've accomplished you know when they are a certain distance along that journey then we'll say okay you have uh, uh, internalized the internal learning internal yeah intended <clears throat> excuse me you have in internalized the intended learning outcomes and are now ready to graduate from course 101 so I see the delivery of information as a relatively minor part of the entire thing. I think the, the, the gist of education is 
when students are working through the information and doing something with it, providing support for them there, helping them along that path, right? And so for us here at the Jack Mountain Field School, that, uh, that stage is accomplished through keeping a logbook, doing workbooks, doing giant uh, small and large projects, making crafts, and ultimately we test students with practical exams on a wide variety of things. And, you know, a good test exists for the student, not for the teacher. Most of the people out there listening in podcast land, you know, we think back to when we're in school and we think, oh, the teachers have another, it's Friday, it's quiz day, or we're having a big test now. And, you know, you always think that it was for the teachers, but really it was for you to learn how far along that path you were towards mastery of the material. And teachers through their assessment system, you know, they add numbers to the tests and, and whatever, um, so that they can compare you with your peers. Uh, you know, I'm not a huge fan of that, but that it is what it is. Um, but, you know, without assessment, you have no idea whether someone is internalizing the information and making it theirs or if it's in one ear and out the other. So to go back to the difference between education and information, we live in an information rich but education poor world, in my opinion. You know, I can go online onto YouTube and someone can demonstrate to me, here's how you, I don't know, fix your refrigerator or change the belt on your vacuum cleaner or make a bow drill fire. One of the big problems that I have with, with YouTube and with that sort of information, uh, because there's so much of it now, who, who do you trust, right? Like, who do, you, who do you trust to deliver actual factual information? You know, because there's a whole rash of people out there who will read something once and then try to demonstrate it on camera in order to get more views, to create more content. But they really don't have any sense of deep knowledge of that information. You know, it's that old adage about the, in the school teacher who's one, you know, one chapter ahead of the students in the, in the, in the textbook, yeah. right? Yeah, and I think it also... Um... With that, the person that you trust at the end of a well-educated or well-run course is that the person you trust is yourself because the test, as we were saying, the test is for you. And with us, often the test isn't a numeric value that's given. It's that you've made a thing and used it and that's, that's the test. And so you know that you know how to make it and you know how to make it effectively rather than just watching someone do it and saying, oh, that's how that works. Now I get it. You've done it a bunch. Yeah, now. having done yeah is worth a thousand times of knowing how. Absolutely. Because it's only through the experience of doing it that you understand the nuance, you know, and the, the, the all the little things that go into it. Um, yeah, I just had a point, but I lost it. More coffee. It's yeah, early. It's, yeah, it's, it's early. Yeah, it's... Uh... <clears throat> okay, I remember. So yeah, that's the... Uh... <laughs> I literally had a sip of... <laughs> I literally had a sip of coffee and it was like brain serum. <laughs> uh, but the testing that we do here, uh, you know, our, our certification programs are standards based, right? So the goal is to train people up to be equals with, with us, yeah. you know, not to sort of be the sage on the stage and be like, look at, look at me. I'm the guru. I know how to do all this stuff and you don't. That's not the point at all. The point is to get people up to where like we can go on a remote expedition together and you know, people have it, you know, they understand the drill. They they know exactly what to do because they've done it and they've demonstrated doing it. So, you know, the diff that's the difference, I think, in, with a standards-based approach 
where we're trying to get everybody up to a certain standard or minimum level of competency. And that is the basis of our practical exams here. Yeah. I think also with education versus information, a big part of that has to do with the relationship between the instructor and the student. You know, if I go on to somebody's YouTube channel who's got 500 kajillion subscribers and I watch them do something and I have a question about it, it's kind of challenging for me to get in touch with that person and say, hey, you know, at this point, how did that work? I'm a little I'm a little dodgy on on how that specific aspect of what you were showing worked. Whereas, so that would be information. It's sort of a one to many. Whereas with education, you know, there's a relationship between the learner and the student, I think, uh, in good education anyway. So that, you know, the, the, the instructor is there to help the student work through those things, to work through the challenges. And I think that's a big differentiation point as well, that with education, there's a relationship and with information, you know, it's sort of like publishing a book. You publish the book, you send it out into the world. Who knows who reads it? And good and luck. What they get it. out of it? Yeah. Yeah. You have no. You have no way of knowing how quickly or slowly they're internalizing that information. But you know, you use the word nuance earlier, and for us, with so many of the things that we do up here, students are students are uh, actively using those nuanced things, but they don't really know it until it's pointed out to them. And then there's this aha moment of, Oh, I did this and this work because of this reason. And now I'm going to do it that way every time because it was pointed out to me that, um, that that's why it worked. Um, we had a student in the spring who, uh, mentioned to us that, you know, that on, on occasion we would, we would point out one little detail about something he was doing. I think for him it was pr- with paddling we would point out, you know, I think the one that came to mind was that he needed shorter strokes. He was reaching too far ahead and um, to put his paddle in the water and was just wasting energy. And then as soon as, you know, when we saw that, because we were there paddling with him and pointed it out to him, that his, his paddle stroke became much more efficient and he had a much easier time steering the boat. And that maybe wouldn't, you know, if he had been teaching himself, maybe he continues to do that and that becomes the habit. And then never has the opportunity to improve his paddle stroke because he doesn't have someone that's, you know, watching and knows the nuances. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, to to wrap that little point up is that education is a journey that student and instructor undertake together. Yeah. Information, you're sort of on your own to learn. So, yes, there are lots of great information sources out there. Um but I still, I believe now, I've believed my whole life, and I don't think anything will change that belief, that through education, the learning curve is dramatically shorter. Meaning that if I were to go try to learn how to become, uh, what would I want to go become? A, a traveling salesman. Mm, no, I don't want to become that. Okay. <laughs> I don't know, like a wacky pastry chef. Perfect. Or, yeah. I don't know much about that. So if I were going to go become a pastry chef... Maybe it would take me, and I'm just guessing here, maybe it would take me a week to become proficient in a good educational program where I have an interplay with a solid instructor who's been there and done that. If I just get a couple of books and watch videos on the topic, maybe it takes me a month or a year. Or maybe I never finish because one of the other things that, uh, that education does is helps to keep the student motivated, whereas with information... You know, we probably all have some how-to book on our shelf that this is the year I'm really going to buckle down and learn how to do, 
I don't know, fix spaceships or some other random thing. You didn't want to be a traveling salesman, but you want to fix spaceships? Well, how else am I going to get I around like, to no, sell no, stuff? No, 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 I wasn't I wasn't. How else am I going to get to Mars to sell stuff? I wasn't criticizing. I, was I think you were. encouraging <laughs> that you're dreaming big. Okay, so my point is that, you know, with, with uh, education, one of the roles of the instructor is to hold the student accountable. And that uh, that's a different animal than if we, you just have a how-to book on your shelf you know, we all have access at this point in time to limitless information through, I mean, most people carry, in this country anyway, carry a smartphone in their pocket or have it with them almost all the time. So, you know, at the touch of a button, we have access to all the information our species has ever generated. Um, but it's not making us smarter. It's not making us better. You know, in anything, it's making us more distracted. And I think that, you know, too much information, um, TMI, if you will, <laughs> I'm not can, touching that one. Can, not, can be a negative. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and so another another role of the instructor there is to sort of let's let's try to limit the amount of information that goes into accomplishing our intended learning outcomes. Uh, right. So keep in order to keep things focused because it's easy to go off on random tangents. Yeah. Or to I mean, and even sort of back to what I was talking about with the guy paddling. It's easy. It's also easy if you don't. Um, if you're just reading the information yourself, it, it's easy to focus on the wrong things to get really zeroed in on like one specific aspect of it and think that this is what I need to practice. And maybe you're practicing it wrong and to have someone else kind of point out that you're, yeah, you're uh, sort of zeroing in on a piece of it that, you know, maybe isn't as necessary as you think it is. Yeah, 100 percent. Yep. So if I, you know, if you have never been canoeing and you get one of uh, Bill Mason's books, you know, The Art of the Paddle or something, you know, 200 named canoe strokes and all this other information, you know, how much of that do you need in order to go for a nice weekend paddle and to be competent running a river? You know, maybe you don't need all of the named canoe strokes. So then, but who's going to determine that for you? You know, you who have no experience with it. Or somebody who's got a lifetime of experience with canoes to say, well, maybe maybe you don't need all those name strokes, right? Maybe we get by with, with six name strokes. Yeah, and you kind of mentioned it earlier in that, you know, um, it, the time it takes to learn something is shortened by having an instructor. And that's because they are, um, you know, by trial and error, you could probably work through every one of those strokes and then go and paddle for a while and, oh, I didn't really use this one. Maybe I don't need it and stuff. But if you were working with, an educator that has real world experience that can kind of say, you know, it works, it's, it's helpful, but I've never really used it in the field. Don't worry about it so much until, until you need it. Worry about these ones. Cause these are the ones that are going to help you 98% of the time. And having, having that experience, I think is having that experience on hand and um, being able to ask somebody about it is super helpful. Um, I know for myself trying to teach myself things, I, yeah, it's, it's a tough slog for me to, kind of like weasel stuff out as I'm, you know, trying this and it's not working. And then I move on to the next thing. And it takes a long time without somebody that knows what they're doing. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So that's our little wrap up of education versus information. Um, and I think just to circle back around about why most outdoor schools don't do it right. Cause I think there's a huge emphasis on lecture and on, just providing information. And again, I'll make the point that information and education, uh, information is a part of education, but they're not the same thing. That if it's just me lecturing, 
and students aren't doing anything. There are no intended learning outcomes. I'm not assessing them in any way. They're not having to do anything with the information. That is not education. You know, that's just information delivery. So, and I'm not trying to say that that's bad. You know, in a short course, most, I think most outdoor schools operate with very short courses a day or maybe two days. And in that length of time, there's not a lot of, of space for students to do a lot of experimentation. There's a lot not, not a lot of space for an assessment system or testing or anything like that. Um, but, you know, I think if you are listening to this and you are out actively teaching people, you know, about the outdoors or really about any topic at all, you know, be better. Take that, take that to heart. Have the students do something with the information. Make it actively, make them be actively learning, not passively taking in information while you talk. And then figure out a way to assess them. Figure out a way to let them know where they are on that continuum from complete novice to expert. And let them know when they're ready to graduate from your course. Let them know when they've achieved those intended learning outcomes. And I think if you do that, you're going to have more return students. It'll be a much more positive experience for the student because they're going to get something tangible as a result of attending your course. Right? So there's our our spiel on the difference between, uh, between education and information. So if you've made it this far into the podcast, uh, <laughs> you're a glutton for punishment. For <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, maybe you're interested in what's going on around here. So our big news uh, is that we have um, gone digital, another step into the digital realm. So if you are a longtime listener of this podcast, you know that we digitized our entire assessment system as of last winter. And now we operate, uh, when students come to the long course here, they get a big Google Doc and it's full of workbooks and testing sheets and benchmarks and things that they fill out while they're here at the field school. So we've added to that where we've embraced a uh, digital online network. So it's sort of like analogous to a private Facebook group. Um, And this whole thing lives on our online learning platform at bushcraftschool.com. So we're using that now uh, for a couple of things. Number one, as a networking site for alumni uh, where we can plan future trips. We can get together with an old friend, share media, things like that. Um, we're also using it to educate potential students. So if you're interested in maybe coming to a course with us, um, you know, it's a big investment in time. It's a big investment in money. And maybe you want to interact with the people on the course and maybe some alumni from that course to get a better feel for what it's like when you're there in the field, you know, more so than you would get on a regular web page where you sort of read stuff and look at photos and, and look at videos Uh, but maybe you just want to really interact and get your questions answered. So we're using it in that perspective. And we're also on the current uh, semester course. We're using it as our digital uh, bulletin board, digital classroom. So a couple of examples. Um, Number one, uh, we post the daily schedule on there. So, you know, the folks on the course all have a smartphone or a tablet or something with them here that they can complete the Google Docs uh, assessment system with, right? So using that same device, uh, when we're done for the day, so say yesterday we quit at about 4 p.m. for the day, 
Um, Christopher and I retired to the guide shack, talked about what we were going to do the next day. And then we posted all that stuff on there so that the students would know what they needed to be prepped for the next day. Um, so we're also, so there's one thing we're doing with it. We're also keeping track of all of the assignments. So it's sort of like an online classroom. So we're keeping track of the reading assignments. Um, this time of year, we're pressing plants at a pretty vigorous pace. So we're listing all of the plants that we've pressed in a different area of the online network. So it's just really operating sort of as a digital classroom to keep all of the details in one place. Whereas in the past, we've used whiteboards and, uh, you know, uh, pen and paper and random sheets of notebook paper. Now we've got it all in one place. And, and so far, in my opinion, so great. Like, couldn't be happier with how it's going. Uh, really am enjoying not running around trying to remember which whiteboard something is written on. Yeah, and, it's and, really streamlined. Um, it's really streamlined the day and how it gets started. We wake up and... Tim and I walk up to Moose Vegas and everybody kind of knows what the plan is, knows what's going on. And we can just jump right into it rather than filling people in in the mornings. Yeah. So it's been great. And we encourage you, if you're curious about our programs here, if you're an alumnus, um, jump on board. Uh, it's a real name social network. So you can't be like, um, hi, my name is Bushmaster 007 or something like that. So you, we use real names. Um but yeah, go to bushcraftschool.com, click on the join us button, and then we will approve you. And then you can interact with us and, and uh, other students from the school. Um, and we encourage you, if you enjoy this podcast and you have questions about it or, or, or comments or concerns, jump on there um, just because it's a lot nicer than uh, internet comments or you know Facebook or something like that. Um, so, you know, we encourage you to comment and interact with us in that venue with, with any of our media that we throw out there onto the web. Last bit of current events is coming up, uh, what, eight and a half weeks now until the brush fire rendezvous here at the field school. Um, we'll have a link to that in the show notes. Would love to see you there. It's going to be three days or, or what, Friday to Sunday. So, yeah, three days of, of fun, of bushcraft, of outdoor living, and of uh, meeting with like-minded people, maybe working on different projects that you're interested in that we could help you with. Um, more information on the web there. Price is real low, 15 bucks a day. Uh, you know, encourage people to come out and see what we're all about, see how... Um, just relaxing and pleasurable a life off the grid and and off the pipe the water pipe (laughs) (laughs) how comfortable and pleasurable Uh, and off grid off pipe life can be see some of the systems that we've developed over over 20 years of running long-term programs and uh yeah just a bit of camaraderie a lot of good food yeah meet some meet some other people that do this stuff and enjoy it um we're Way up in northern Maine, so it's hard for us to... We never really have visitors, so we figured we'd knock them all out in one fell swoop in the end of October. Not just, physically. We're, no, we're not going to knock anybody that shows up out. No. We just wants to get 
as many of them up here as we can at one time, right. rather than having to spread it out over yeah. the course of a year. That's because if meant. you're trying to like entice people to come here and you're telling them you're going to knock them out, like that's not. I might not, but I heard tell of a an outlaw canoe gang that uh, might be here and might knock them out. Oh really? Yeah, they're kind of a dangerous guy. We'll keep. We'll keep. What's the, this? What's the name of this outlaw canoe uh, gang? The River Otters Outlaw Canoe Club. Ooh, I've heard of them. River Otters rule. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they they might be around. So be wary. Yeah, definitely. Be but wary. security will be high. We'll make sure no no shenanigans happen. Yeah. Who who's running security? Butchcaw Jenkins. Bucksaw Jenkins. Bucksaw running... Jenkins is running security. All right, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we got stuff to yep. go do. We got a semester to go run. Uh, so we're, let's wrap this thing up. But yep. if you have enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review or share it with somebody. And we encourage you to join us at bushcraftschool.com. Uh, where you can interact with us and um, post questions. If you know somebody that would maybe be a good winter interview for this podcast, let us know there. Uh, we can't do them now at this time of year because we have no Wi-Fi. We're way well, We off can't the do grid. winter podcasts in winter or in summer. No. That doesn't make any sense. It's like eating a summer sausage in February. You can't be done. That's, that's madness. Right. Just madness. absolute madness. Anyway, thanks for listening. Hope you guys have a great day. We definitely will be. Talk to you later. You have been listening to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast. For more information on our professional wilderness guide training programs that are college accredited and GI Bill approved, visit us on the web at jackmtn.com.